How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to MC Advocate Podcast. This is Season 5, Episode 1. And I'm your new podcast editor, Tamil Chisanga. Today's episode will be providing audio recordings of faculty members Chip Gladson and Sharon Anthony during an interview with Jake Vincent Gabasa, where they discussed the rise of AI and ChatGPT. We hope you can enjoy and hopefully you walk away with something. What are you, what is your stand on ChatGPT? Ever since it went viral, it has become, you know, a controversial mm-hmm. topic saying that many, many are saying that AI is the next generation for education, mm-hmm. or it might revolutionize education. And some are saying make, it will make people more lazy and more dependent on technology. So what is your stand on the matter? I think it's not either or. I think it may be both. And so, in other words, it's certain, I think, to revolutionize education. It's a great disruption, a great disruptor, like other innovations and technologies of the past. This is a major one, though. It's going to change so many things in so many different disciplines in education. On the other hand, there will also be negative outcomes because, as you say, maybe some people, some students, some staff, some faculty will rely on chat GPT too much for things that could not rely on it for. Yeah, and I In these cases, it can have negative outcomes. Not only will it perhaps make some people lazier, it also may prevent some people from learning important skills like writing, <laughs> for one thing. So, yeah. so if if any if any in any circumstance do you believe students should avoid chat GPT in any way? Or should they like be aware of it? You know, know its presence, and you know. Well, I, I think students are going to know about Chat GPT. Maybe not everybody, but many people will be hearing about it because it's going to impact so many different facets of our lives. I mean, artificial intelligence is really changing and transforming a lot of industries and professions. Um, I think that we should teach our students to um, be aware of ethics and academic integrity and if they use chat gpt to write papers or drafts um they should be aware of its limitations because it does have limitations in terms of the kinds of sources that it pulls from its citations its currency um its bias it has some inherent bias from the things that it pulls from so i think that um students should be aware of chat gp its limitations um and why it's best for their critical thinking skills to think through their own writing. And I think that is something that the English professors here at the college are very much going to be emphasizing in upcoming semesters and even this semester. I don't know, Chip, did that kind of hit on what you want to say? Absolutely. I think that's accurate. Yep. And also one more, um, um, actually another thing also, I did some research and there are some AI, there's, there's a Princeton student right now, a senior from Princeton University, who is making an AI technology that can detect ChatGPT works. Mm -hmm. And 
I heard and I read some of its articles and comments from people on Twitter, mm-hmm. on your news, saying that it is ninety eight percent accurate, but there's some connotations to it. Mm-hmm. Some are saying that there's there's some tendencies of the technology, that two percent you know like it's not perfect, it's ninety eight, mm-hmm. and there's a two percent factor that always kind of slips through. You know, like saying, like for example, like if our uh, writing, our literary work is so good that it it labels it as Chat GPT, mm-hmm. or when if it, it is Chat GPT, but if you, you know, there's some tendencies mm-hmm. when you have to mix it with your own words. Mm-hmm. When you mix your own words and you make you 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 plug in some of your own content, it says that it's not Chat GPT. It's actually handwritten work. Mm-hmm. So how does that? How do you? How does a student, as a faculty, you know, make sure that you're really doing the, you know, you're not just you're relying on a very, you know, inaccurate source or, you know, for accusing, maybe like if some students are getting accused or something like that, or it might cause confusion and chaos here in the campus. We call that the false positive. Chip and I were just talking about that. Yeah. 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 The false positive. Yeah. It's a great question, Jake. These detection tools for AI-generated text, they are imperfect. There are so many obstacles that will prevent them from always getting it right in terms of AI-generated text. So, Andrew Tian, who is the student at Princeton who created this tool, you really have to give him credit. What an outstanding job it was to create this tool to begin with and to do it so fast. It's yeah, very impressive. It's so very accurate also at 98%. Yeah. Well, here's the problem. It can't be as accurate as perhaps many of us would hope because the way it works is by using these two factors. So Andrew Tian and his team created the algorithm based upon these factors, and this is what has been reported. So... These two things that it looks for are called burstiness and perplexity, right? You've read about this. Excellent. So if we were to simply use these two factors, these two concepts, and we applied them to every essay written by every student, it's very unlikely that we would 100% of the time be able to detect text generated by AI, by ChatGPT, or on the other hand, to identify text written by so many, many, many different students. Because, of course, each student will write different sentences. Each student has different writing style, right? So... It, it really makes it difficult to create any detection tool, not just GPT-0, but perhaps any detection tool is going to have some trouble with AI-generated text. It's a very difficult job to do. But we are using it. Uh, we have heard reports from many professors who have already identified some problematic text, let's call it that. And then these professors have spoken to the students who submitted the text for a grade. And in these cases, students 
have admitted that they relied upon chat GPT to generate the text. And they had a conversation then with the professors and they were able to recognize, at least in the cases I heard, how serious this is. We want to be ethical. We want to make sure that we are being honest about our own work and we want to cite sources whenever we use um, somebody else's words or ideas. And so this idea of academic honesty is so important to us in every discipline at the college. Okay. And what about those, you know, like those outliers, let's say, let's talk about again the, you know, the, the false positive or let's say outliers. How about if there are moments where we think he's, she's using ChatGPT, but it actually wasn't? How would the school handle that sort of thing? Like the false positives or the false negatives, actually? Well, that's a really good question because this is so new to us. Um, I think what's happening now is that we're um, advising uh, students and professors to keep like the writing process, keep document the writing process. For most of us in English classes, we focus on, you know, organizing our thoughts, putting it into some kind of order, drafting, revising. And so those are the kinds of pieces that we're asking professors to emphasize more and for students to keep a hold of. So you can say, this is my draft. This is my outline. These are my notes. This is my research. And this is my annotated bibliography so that you have documentation along the way of your thinking process, of your writing process. And I think that's probably going to help. Um, I know that when students come to the school, in any case, that there is um, a claim of academic dishonesty brought against any student, there is an appeal process, part of the formal systems of the college. And those procedures give students the right to appeal any kind of academic honesty, um, dishonesty claim. And at that point, the student could produce that paper because these are my notes, these are the, the work I did, these are the, my my sources. Courses, that sort of thing. And hopefully the professors, as, as Professor Gladstone was just mentioning, will sit down with the students who that we think are using chat GPT and, or AI and say, you know, this looks like it's AI's come back as, as such from um, GPT zero. What happened here? And then the student can produce this material and say, these are my notes. This is my draft and, and prove their point. And, and I think the teachers are, do want to have those conversations with students for a variety of reasons. If we flag it as something AI, then maybe Maybe there was a reason why, you know, the writing was, you know, very bland, didn't have enough citations, didn't use credible sources, whatever. So it gives them an opportunity to have a conversation. And hopefully through that conversation, they can find out what's really going on. Okay. And um, back to Mr. You know, so Mr. Gladson's point about, you know, a term he used actually about, you know, like the writing style. Do you think like one way we can figure out if a student is using chat GPT is because there's a footprint, there's always a fingerprint of the, you know, the, of the, the, of the student and how he writes. So not each one of us like, you know, writes the same way, right? Right. And each one of us has a fingerprint that, you know, marks itself on the paper. Do you think it's one way we can figure out if the student is using chat GPT or not? It is one way, one of many ways. I think we'll need a full full toolkit to help us with chat GPT. So one thing is we should be able to recognize a student's writing style 
mm-hmm. as you said. And it's important for us to listen to students' authentic voices. That's partly why we ask students to write, because we want students to develop those authentic voices. So that's one thing, but there are many others. As um, Sharon Anthony was saying, this idea of students using the writing process and then sharing those products of the writing process, pre-writing, outlines, rough drafts, with the professor, or at least holding on to those uh, those items as they go along, that's another way that we can, another tool in our toolkit mm-hmm. to help us confirm or verify that it is the student's own work. By the way, if you like crime shows or detective dramas, you can use this uh, metaphor. It's a little bit like the chain of custody. So the student can prove that the final draft of an essay or a paper is original, that the student has written it. If they can produce also all of those results of the writing process, and you could call that whole package their chain of custody. It shows that they held on to all of this evidence, and it never was out of their hands. It was never part of chat GPT. I love that comparison. <laughs> Chain of yeah, because, like crime dramas. Yes. Yeah, because like, I also like did some research on, you know, like infidelity and fraud, fraudulence and the school curriculum, you know, especially in colleges and higher education. And all these sites I've seen, all the sites I've read, they always advise the student who is being accused accused of for by you know gather all your your documents because you need them, and always like you know like message for email because you really need that you know that written you know verification of what your you know transactions are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So that also, you know, relates to ChatGPT, especially in, in circumstances like that, like what we said. And also, uh, is there anything that you want students to know that we haven't tackled or I haven't questioned about? Like something that you, you figured it out that, hey, like, it's like this. Is there anything? Well, I guess I would say to students, um, it's probably better to use your own writing rather than rely on an AI tool to write it for you. Um, Because I know that it seems like an easy way to get started or an easy way to write a paper at the last minute um, and submit it so they get some points. But it's such a danger because academic integrity, intellectual property, they're such important concepts. And once you get accused of something like that, and if it's proven, you know, that kind of thing can haunt a student in the future. Future. So we think that if students yeah. write their work originally, think through the processes, analyze the material themselves, then they're going to develop their thinking skills, their writing skills, their communication skills. And those skills are going to help them in any profession. And that's why we assign these papers. So even though it seems like a, a quick answer, it's often not a quick answer. And there are limitations to it. I don't know if I've covered that entirely should the, should the school be more should the school or the faculty be more strict or like more like hey 
you know, more, what do you call this, more, not harsh, or what, what term am I going to use, like, the punishment, like, you know, at all on the punishment, like, yeah, I of chat GPT the- users, like, right, for no. example, like, I've heard so many circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say, Jake, um, one thing to remember is that students also can initiate these conversations. Mm-hmm. It's not only the professor who can begin the conversation with the student, but rather it may be an opportunity for the student to ask questions. So if you're wondering, or if a student is wondering about, for example, when it's appropriate to use chat GPT, that's a good opportunity to ask the professor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you ask? When did you answer the question also? Like, for for the audience sake, Mr. Gladson, like, when is the right time to use ChatGPT? Ah, well, in my class last night, my English class last night, I used ChatGPT first just to introduce students to the tool. I didn't want to pretend that it didn't exist. So I had ChatGPT write a haiku about a dog. I love it. <laughs> a oh. haiku is a kind of poem, you know, and this yeah, chat GPT wrote five. the haiku in three seconds. <laughs> and it was a haiku and it was, it was all there. And here's what my, several of my students said, oh, that's creepy. <laughs> it is kind of creepy. Writing a haiku about a dog felt creepy to many of my yes. students. That's what they said. Well, you know, it's very interesting because some teachers do use it as a way of doing comparison contrast between what a human voice can write and what a computer voice can write and the limitations of the computer voice and the power and the emotion and the passion of a human voice. So sometimes they say, what's the difference here? Um, I also read lots of articles where different industries like marketing, they use the chat GPT as a starting point, but then have to take it and make it better. Um, it's very, it's very bland, very uninspired writing. Um, and so they say this is a starting point. But in my thinking, um, a lot of times, it's better to start with your human brain and your emotion and your passion for your ideas. It gives you more to say than just having a computer write it for you. Um, but I do want to tell you that instructors have vastly differing opinions on this. Um, particularly in the English discipline. Some people think it is the worst tool ever and that students should always write for themselves. Other professors say this is a real tool that's out in the world and in different professions. You should know it and be able to use it and go beyond its limitations, you know, take it to a higher level. So uh, students need to understand, you know, how their professor views it and how um, they're, if they're asked to use it or not. So I think that really does, there are more discussions about this now in our composition classrooms and it will continue to grow over time. Hey Jake, I'm going to have to jump off here. I have another meeting this afternoon. That sure, I have sure, to sure. For. But um, Thank thanks for the chat. And I hope that you'll also ask our uh, students or interview students Ooh. to get their views on this subject. I already did. Oh, how wonderful. lovely. I can't wait to read it because yes. I'm interested to hear what students have to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Thank See you ya. so much. I appreciate it, Chip. Thank you. Do you have I any more questions for me? Yeah, I have. Um, so, yeah. basically, it's still there. 
Do you see yep, it? just jumping off now. I got it. <laughs> Fine. Like there was this, there was this YouTuber. There was this, you know, a YouTube channel mm-hmm. for college admissions, mm-hmm. Super True TV. Mm-hmm. She was talking about she made a channel, a YouTube video about how Chat GPT affects, you know, basically like if you instruct it to write a college admissions essay, you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. How do you think it will affect, you know, the higher education, especially in four-year institutions? Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I think what's happening is many people in higher education are concerned about students using this as a tool to avoid writing their own material. So my thinking is if it was discovered that a student wrote an admissions essay and had ChatGPT do it for them, I think it would reflect negatively on the student because it's a little bit of academic dishonesty, intellectual dishonesty there. And as a student trying to get into a college or a competitive program, I think that would reflect poorly on the student because of its ethics, its questionable ethics. So what I would say, if a student has horrible writing skills or is is not confident in their writing skills and they want to use AI as maybe a starting point, that, that student should really revise that heavily to give it their own voice. And frankly, again, I go back, the human brain is going to be able to say a lot more passionate things about themselves. And when they're writing an application essay to a college, you want to sell yourself, you know, you want to see these are my strengths. This is what I love. This is why I want to go to your school. And it's your voice that should be there, not a computer's voice. And AI cannot do reflection. So chat GPT cannot do a self-reflection. So if you ask it, write a reflection essay about my writing says it'll say, I am not a person. I can't. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it'll say that. So again, it, when you're writing some of that personal essay, like, a, like an admission essay, it can't do that or even do it well. So it, it limits its, its usefulness there. Um, so I would say to students, you're always going to be better off doing it yourself. And then, you know, getting help with the grammar checks and the clarity checks and getting someone to review it for you rather than yeah. on a device that can't really do it. Funny thing, she also like had the same I think, position as yours. <laughs> she told, she, she made some comments saying the chat GPT like looks very cringe. The writing there was cringe, you know. Yes. It's very cringe, like, you yes. know, like, very flowery, very, you know, mm-hmm. the, the only a chance for essay shouldn't be or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It doesn't have that it, personal uh, element to it. It yeah. can't. It's a computer. And also, like, what about those outliers, those people who got in because of us- they're using ChatGPT? What can you say about that? Well, suppose a student goes through English 101 at a school and uses AI all the way through and never gets caught, uses it. Eventually, that student's going to have to be in a situation where they're writing for such a unique position or situation where they can't use it. And suddenly, they're not going to have the abilities because they relied on this crutch the whole way through. So when they're put into a situation when it matters, they're not going to have the skills to do it well. And that's troubling for them in the future. I mean, even without AI, suppose someone was in a class and had their friend write all their papers. Eventually, they're going to have to write for a unique situation by themselves. They're going to need the skills. And the best place to practice and hone those skills are in the classroom and learning for yourself so that you can write for any situation. Because ChatGPT can't do personal reflection. It can't use personal examples because it doesn't have them. Um, and it can't use current information or evidence past twenty. 21 at this point. So all of those things eventually are going to have to be used and the writer's going to have to do it for themselves. 
Well, what happens if you feed it information? I heard. You can I type in lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I have ChatGPT also. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna confess, like, I have ChatGPT for for reasons that I need this for my research, you know, sure. for my article. Absolutely. And I wanna test it out. Like, just, just I wanna test this out. Like, let's see what's gonna happen here. Yes, exactly. And people do that. And now there's actually a way in MLA to cite what you use from ChatGPT. So I would be completely transparent. I mean, some people don't wanna risk it, but if you're gonna use something from ChatGPT, I would cite the source. I mean, there is a way to cite when you're using chat GPT or AI. So I think that that's going to evolve more and more as this is a tool like the internet, like Grammarly, like all these other tools. It's out there. People are going to turn to them. No, but I hope that you trust me. Like, I never use it in academics. Well, oh, no, no, I know. And that's the thing. I, I think people. it's like way back when, before the calculator was a thing and the calculator was introduced to the math class, they said, oh my God, no one's going to know math anymore. Well, the math profession just developed. Now we use the calculator to do more advanced thinking. I'm thinking chat GPT is going to impact right. the writing okay. and higher education <laughs> and people are going to learn to think more deeply, be more analytical, develop that human voice more and what they write it's going to be less formulaic and more deep thinking i'm hoping that's where it goes in the future yeah i hope so too mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah and there you have it folks thank you for tuning in to the first episode of the new season of the advocate podcast it is once again your host Tamu Tasanga. we hope that you can walk away from this episode with something and until next time thank you <laughs>